Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Wayne, and welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Once again, I have another edition of Trade Negotiations for you, and our topic of discussion will, once again, be Chew. If you've been following the podcast, you know at this point I've already gone over the first three volumes, so full disclosure, this podcast is not going to make any sense at all if you haven't read or listened to, or read the first three volumes of Chew, or at least listened to the three episodes of Trade Negotiations that I had put out thus far. So, with that being said, this book takes a whole new turn. Just, I, I really thought that they had line, mapped out Rob Guillory and John John Lehman more than anything, and mapped out this this world to its its full ability. We've got a couple of cyberpaths running around. We're starting to figure out who the mysterious one might be, and yeah, we fake vampires and yeah. Now we're going to space, bitches, and that's pretty much what uh, Volume Four is all about. In the end of Volume 3, left us with all these uh, crazy space writings in the sky, and bum bum bum, we don't know anything about it. Essentially, this is what, this volume is trying to explain all of that. So let's dive right in to Chapter 1, shall we? So, um, we're, we're going to the, uh, we're, we're, we got a flashback scene here. We've, we see old Mother Cluckers, the Chicken Shack. 35 years ago, business is booming. 25 years ago, business is booming. 15 years ago, business is booming. But people aren't looking as happy and healthy as when the restaurant first opened. Fact is, chicken's still being sold. Once again, chicken is outlawed now because of an avian flu and blah, blah, blah. That's why the FDA FDA, uh, holds the, the position they do as far as being the government standard for taking shit down. And that's where our main characters come in. Uh, so now at this point, what pretty much what this first page is showing is that chicken used to be a thing. Now the owner of Mother Cluckers out in front of his restaurant, it's all sad and grim and there's vomit all over the place and no one could eat chicken and that's bad and he's mad. and But he's just got to deal with it. The fact is he's got a grudge against uh, the FDA naturally on account of the FDA that shut down his livelihood. Well, ironically enough, FDA got some questions for old Mr. Mother Clucker. Um, I wonder if it's Mother Clucker Jones. I wonder... Hmm. They don't say. I think it would be great if his name was Mother Clucker Jones. This whole series is just filled with the greatest 
the greatest uh, nods and cameos and uh, yeah, there's a um, leave Britney alone type of thing that goes on through. Uh, the fact is, is that this it would not surprise me. I'm ca- I'm rambling. <laughs> I guess I should kind of explain that reference, Mother Mo- Motherfucker Jones from Horrible Bosses. Got it. All right, cool. Carrying on. Jesus, sorry. Uh, Tony and his patented John, they're looking for a feller who is an ex-FDA agent gone missing. What is his name? Daniel Madalgo. And as it turns out, he's not just a part of the FDA and went missing. As soon as the lights, the pretty lights in the skies happened is when he suddenly went missing, and he's not just any old fucker from the FDA, he's also got a weird power called a, he's he's verisophic, and what that means is the more he eats, the smarter he gets, essentially, and that's explained later on in this chapter, once we kind of get to know the fella later, but after Tony's pretty much just getting shut down by the old man, uh, he realizes that his partner's just not coping with life well for some reason. I don't understand what John's issue is, but he's getting drunk and he's he can't work with him. So he calls up a character that we saw earlier in the series, uh, Agent Caesar Valenci- Valenzano, who is also has ties to Mason Savoy, who is a rogue ex-FDA agent and also one of the other two known cyberpaths known to existence, the third being the one running around, running around like a vampire that has been told throughout the first three volumes. So, they, Tony calls him up, he's like, dude, John's fucking worthless, let's go take down a math backer. Well, conveniently enough, uh, old Caesar kind of knows a little bit this about this Madalgo, Daniel Madalgo feller, and he's the one who explains to Chu that, look, that guy's a, he's a, a verisophic, and he's, yeah, that's, that's his value. Well, eventually, the, the Tony and Caesar, they go to track him down, he's in his apartment, and he's just massively fat, just so obese, he, he looks like he belongs, like, on a, on a TLC, he, he needs his own TLC show. He's just disgusting. But the only thing that he could verbalize are mathematic equations and shit. He's he's super fucking smart on account of his power. Well, he's not coping. They try to take uh they try to take him down by force, but while all of this is going on, Tony's sister calls, who's also whose name is also Tony. Well, she prefers to go by Tony for short because she's kind of a a brother. She's a super fan of her brother in a way. Fact is, it's kind of all foreshadowing something. She's explaining, hey, I want to take you to dinner because I got this big promotion with NASA. By the way, I work for NASA. And that all kind of touches on to the fact that uh, the, all the, the spaceship, the, the space shit that is fixing to go down. So just that little call there, you're kind of like, what is the fuck's all this happening? Well, as you read the book, it all makes more sense. So that happens. Well, in order to take down this massively huge Midalgo, Chu just waves some gum or something around, and it's enough for uh, Midalgo to mm, me hungry. I'll, I'll eat that gum. 
and he's so fat and he can't stop, and he apparently lives high enough up in that apartment building to where he, when he goes through the wall, due to his uh, <laughs> gargantuan girth, he falls to his death. And, yeah. That's that's how that all goes down. I found that to be fun. I thought we were going to get this crazy character introduction for a second and make him be something. Oh, we're going to get another superpower all of it. No, they just killed a fucker. I love it. There's nothing predictable about this book. Well, then we get the, that night, we get uh, Caesar teaming back up with Savoy, and they go to the crime scene, and they're able to you know, scoop up a little bit of that crazy blood of that verisophic... Yeah, uh, just, it's a weird word for me to say. Sorry when I pause when I say that every time. Because it's verisophic. Uh, it just doesn't seem right. Cybopathic, that seems like a cool word to say. But verisophic, I don't know. Rambling again. So, and that's really the final pages there. You got um, Savoy and Caesar scooping up the blood. And then... Actually, the the final panel is uh, Mother Clucker Jones, who I will forever call him from now on, opened up his chicken shack. Well, how is he doing this? Chicken's illegal. Well, with all the spaceship I keep, <laughs> space shit happening, the FDA has bigger bigger fish to fry. We're not so worried about the, the chicken thing anymore. And it's not necessarily that the FDA's not worried about the chicken thing anymore, as it is that the FDA's not getting the funding that they need to properly take down all the, the chicken fuckery that is going on. Because all of that money the government is now giving to NASA, which, once again, we're going in space. So, essentially, that is what Chapter 1 is setting up. It might seem like quite a bit, but really, it's... The, the, the next few chapters all just play into this first chapter so well. Is, is with all the little bits and pieces of shit, it all falls together quite fucking nicely. After reading this first one, the fact that it's all going to space just got me all fucking giddy. So, let's, uh, let's carry on to chapter two. Chapter two starts out in space. In our little prologue here, we see all the crazy writing going all around the world, and we got this little satellite. It's probably not that little. We got this satellite, and the name of this satellite, it has a purpose. It's the, Fic the Fisher Okroshka satellite international space station not a satellite it's the whole thing is it's pretty much a research facility it went out a few years before the avian flew went up and then while it was up there they're they're they're, they're researching everything and in that research if you look real deep into the panels you see a bit of a goldsberry if you've been following the podcast or the series you know what a goldsberry is on the island of yamapulu where they got the the fruit that tastes exactly like chicken. Yeah, that thing. That was all burned up when it was all burned up. Yeah, that. And that's touched on later on. They don't really mention it there. You just gotta look closely. And I don't know why you're not looking closely into these panels, because this fucking art's good. So anyways, what it comes down to is there's a massive explosion that goes down on the spaceship. All communications lost, everybody's but, carrying on, let's go to Francis Bacon High School. So that's our that's our little, uh, the first part of our prologue. There's two parts of this prologue. Second part, like I said, Francis Bacon High School. Food fight! 
got all the students are throwing food, throwing food. And then a hatchet hits another student in the fucking face and dies. So this shit got real. Now, what would cause such fuckery? I don't know. We'll find out in the story later on. Let's, let's fucking read. So we got Chu and John. They show up to Francis Bacon High School, and they're trying to figure out how this fuckery happened. It's just carnage. Carnage all over the place. All these students, these students thrown through the fucking ceiling, and forks stabbed all up in their faces. Who could have caused something like this? Well, Chu takes his little, little bit of blood, and uh, what do you know? It's old, uh, it's old poor little, what's his name? Fucking Peter Pilaf. And even John's like, dude, he, I, no, I, that poor kid, I'd bully him too. And what it comes down to is she explains, like, this kid was bullied, and that's, that's what he got out of, you know, the, all of the, the blood of foot. The kid that caused it was bullied. Now, is that what sent him over the edge? I don't know. Not necessarily, actually. They'll explain that more detail later on. Now, at this point, uh, they go to the principal, and they say, well, give me the file on this kid, let's figure it all out. And when they get the file, they realize, oh, he's pretty much a model student, he's a good kid, and all of, I mean, as, as shitty as this is to say, I mean, a, a kid that was really just a run-of-the-mill target for being bullied, is what it comes down to. And, uh, but there's a twist to this whole thing. It's not just the principal that they want to talk to. Tony's got a daughter. Mamba. Remember how they introduced that in the last volume? Yes, Ole Olive. She also goes to Francis Bacon High School, and she was in that whole mix. But the thing is, is that she wasn't necessarily affected by it all. She didn't break into the, the, the food fight, but she, she did witness it. So... Eventually, they're able to get a little bit of information out of her, even though she's kind of lying the whole time. But she says, look, in home ec class, this, this kid, this uh, Peter Pilaf, he made this thing. And all of a sudden, these he made these cheerleaders do stuff based off this recipe. And when I say do stuff, you, if you look into the panel, they're, they're getting kind of naked. So, another foodie superpower. I mean, the immediate assumption is is that you can make stuff happen based off of recipes. So at this point in time, we've got Cybopaths. You, you eat something and you know the whole history. And we've got Verisophic, so the more food you eat, the smarter you are. We've got the kind of people that old choose girlfriend. She's not really in the... Amelia, I remembered. Amelia, she's the, uh, she can write about and describe food in a way to where you could actually have the, the full sensation of whatever the food is, and we got whatever this, I make it and you do it type of superpower. So food, that's a, apparently there's more to it than just whatever Chew has going to him. A big picture possibly? I don't know, I'll explain that later on in the volume. So. They get the information they need about old Peter Pilaf, and they're like, all right, let's, let's go into the home ec class, let's take this kid down. Well, uh, just in time, he walks in, he's like, oh, if I add this one more ingredient here, then everyone's going to die. And you can see the rest of the class, they're all huddled in the corner, scared shitless. And you kind of get an idea what the fuck's happening here. Chew and John are like, well, every Brad did, it's just a few of us, it's not a big deal. And he's like, ah. 
but it is, because then I could hit send on my phone and send out the recipe digitally, then hundreds of thousands of people will die before this is, you know, the, the recipe is taken down off the internet, and you'll never be able to live with yourself. Well, keep in mind that John, he's got an old cyborg head, and he, you could see him in his eyes, you see the little glimmer of words, and he shoots this message over over to Peter Pilaf's phone, like, not today, buddy, or whatever he says, and that's just enough, not gonna happen, nerd boy, that's what it says, not gonna happen, nerd boy, well, that's just enough, the distraction that Tony needs to, palm to the face, takes this little fucker out, and he gets arrested, that's where he goes, well, let's go to the epilogue, we see these, uh, we see these fellers and a NASA gear, but we know at this point that NASA and Russia have kind of combined forces a little bit because of the avian flu thing, just to, yeah. So, we see them pulling something out of the water, and there, you see somebody carrying a Goldsberry, and then that Goldsberry is taken to that one weird Russian Cosmo, or not Cosmo, uh, vampire feller that we had seen throughout the previous volumes. And that's really all we see more of that, that vampire from here on out. He's mentioned again, but it's all, they just do such a good job of circling this whole story around. It's, I'm, I'm so impressed. And that's, that's how chapter two ends. Chapter three is, <laughs> this is, no, it doesn't necessarily explain a whole lot. We don't get a whole lot out of this, out of just pure visual joy, if you were to ask me. So it starts out with the prologue, and we've got Caesar and Savoy again standing over the body of some filler, and then walks in uh, Daniel Madalgo again, so you know this takes place in the past, and he's giving them all this information, and what it comes down to is he's describing this general, John Tongju. John Tongju is this psychopath that has been able to, or he's trying to re, or clone, I guess would be the word, clone the avian flu again. He wants to reintroduce it to the population. He's fucked. He's bleh, crazy. So, this is the, the introduction of him and all of his craziness. Flash forward to now, and we get this montage of Tony and John just in all of these fucked up scenarios, and it's explaining throughout the panels that I'm pretty sure our boss, Applebee, wants us dead. He keeps putting us in all these suicide missions. Well, let's go to their most current mission. As even said, it is a suicide mission. They got to team up with the USDA. They, the USDA, their mission is to take down Dong Dong Ju. They don't. Uh, at this point, they fear that he may have actually come close to completing the actual avian flu. Originally, Madalgo explained that he's trying, but I don't think that he's going to actually be able to succeed in our lifetime. He's he's good. He's crazy, but he's not actually all that smart. Well, it turns out, he is a legit threat now, so the USDA is going to take him out. Uh, Appleby is just dead set and determined to get these two killed, so suicide mission? Oh, I got some guys for that. So he sends them off on this, you know, on the USDA team. And she, the, the, the chief exclaims in the briefing room, check it out, we brought these two guys in, they're going to be our last resort situation. They have this tool. They don't, they don't know what it does either, but the fact is that only in the most dire of situations they will be able to activate this device and 
our last resort scenario will take place. And they just kept saying that <laughs> this is only do this if shit is at its worst. Well, blue team go, they're dropping down into base. They're go they're, the plan is do it at night because they'll have the better opportunity for a surprise attack. Well, because of all the glowy letters floating around uh, space, there's not exactly... It doesn't really get dark anymore. So Jong Tong Ju's uh, crew sees them coming, n n dark or not. They see all these people parachuting in, and they're just fucking carnage immediately, just picking them off. Right off the bat, they're like, ah, last resort. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. It didn't take much for them to be like, ah, oh, release the hounds. Well, it's not a hound that they released. You would think it'd be the, like this big bomb. Even Tony and John are like, it's... Not necessarily, it's been good brother type of moment, because they'll never really have that relationship, I don't think. But, at least not in this point in the story. So like, alright, I guess we're fucking doing this, and they push this button, and remember Pollo, the crazy chicken? <laughs> uh, well, they we get a bit of a backstory, he's a nuclear chicken that was experimented on, and blah blah blah, and just turns out this guy's fucking gnar. So they released the goddamn, they released Poyo, and he goes right for Jong Tong Ju's heart, just eats right through his fucking heart. End of chapter. End of. Uh, I. <laughs> like I said, kind of anticlimactic, but I fucking enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. I thought it was great. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily sure what it introduced in here, other than. Um, well, I don't know. Did it really introduce anything else? It's really showing that old fucking Applebee severely wants Chew dead for some reason, which is kind of sad. I think they do a good job. But yeah, no, that's, uh, that's chapter three. <laughs> let's, let's move on to chapter four. Chapter four really, really advances this story. This is where it's not just, man, space is next level shit. Chapter four, it starts out where we just have all of these world leaders, beloved fuckers, getting assassinated. President of the United States, head blown off. Queen of England, head blown off. The Pope, head blown off. Chow Chu, Tony's brother, the world-renowned chef, head blown off. But then it's like, psych, that one didn't really happen. And they do this cool t Quentin Tarantino way of telling a story within a story without telling a story. They tell a story and they're like, but this didn't happen. But it, parts of it did happen and they explain, well, we'll tell you later why. It goes back and forth. It's real. This is an issue, the, or a chapter, I guess, that you would have to probably read twice to fully enjoy it. Which isn't a bad thing because it's a quick read. It's a fun read. So what it comes down to is... Who's blowing off these heads? Well, it's this extremist cultist group called EGG. E -G -G. And what it comes down to is they have all of the crazy beliefs, but the, I w but the biggest one, I wouldn't necessarily say crazy, is uh, they don't think that poultry should be banned. Well, if they were keeping up with the news at all, no one really gives a fuck about poultry being banned right now because they're fucking writing in the sky that nobody has a goddamn clue about. So, <laughs> kind of funny. At least I found that to be funny. So, at this point, um, once again, uh, Applebee trying to get his boys killed. So he's got a mission for old Chu. And uh, he's going to space. He's going to NASA. And he gets a new partner. And guess who his partner is? His little sister. Oh, So, yes, they're both surprised by it, but fuck it. What are they going to do? 
Where are they going, you might ask? Why is Tony Chu teaming up with NASA? Well, Appleby doesn't have any... Uh, he doesn't care what the mission is. He's just like, oh, that sounds like it could be dangerous. I'll give it a shot if it's gonna. If there's a chance of getting him killed. Well, it turns out they're going to Area 51. Uh, Tony's sister has... He has use for Tony's ability. She has use for Tony's ability. And it's, it's really clever how they do this. So, as they're going into Area 51, the first thing Tony notices are all these bulbously grotesque uh, fat pink babies. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, that? Uh, well, it turns out <laughs> that back in the, when the avian flu was announced, we sent all the astronauts we could to space, and essentially we were like, y'all just need to fuck. And really, that's it even says, start fucking. That is your mission. Start fucking. Fuck in space. Repopulate. Because Earth might not make it. So we need all your little space fuck babies to come down. Well, I guess the birthing process with zero gravity deforms the fuck out of a baby. <laughs> at least according to this. And that's why we get all these disgusting looking babies. They're all gross. But, yeah, no, I found that to be funny. Well, what does this have to do with anything? The diapers. So, why the diapers? Tony has an ability to eat things, and stuff happens. What What would he possibly... Even he's kind of convinced. He's like, you're not going to make me eat this baby shit, are you? She's like, no, no, no. But I'm going to make other people believe that you're going to eat baby shit, because th this, I'm bringing you as a psychopath, thinking I'm going to make them believe, and throughout, you know, whoever is in this facility, that I have use for this particular ability. All it's going to be is this distraction to clear a room, because nobody's going to want to see you eat baby shit. In the meantime, I got some shit to look for. They don't touch on what she's looking for until that motherfucker comes in the room with a gun and says, you can't do that. <laughs> Who is this guy? What's he doing? They don't, I don't think they really give a name, but his, his purpose is, is he's taking uh, bits of meteorite that have fallen. He's fashioning these crazy, awesome bullets that are being used to take out whatever could possibly, I mean, I don't know. The fact is, is that he's, he's responsible for some bad things happening. Well, uh, essentially, Tony and Tony team up, they take him down, but throughout this whole mix, you, you see Sister Tony take a fucking bite out of this motherfucker, and you realize, like, oh shit, why did she, she's a cyberpath too, that makes sense, on account of the bloodlines and all that, and then she explains, well, I can't let her, I mean, with the job that I have, especially with this dope promotion that I just got, people can't be knowing that I'm a psychopath, so I needed to bring you in because our kind are so rare, it would be believable, blah, 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 blah. You see, you see where it all came down to. Once again, full, circled around in just such a brilliant fucking way, man. I dig it. I dig it. But throughout all of that, um, we see... Tony have his own cyberpathic moment, and we see a piece of the, what is it, um, the, the weird space station that, that fell, oh, what the fuck was it, the Frederick, <laughs> not Frederick, doopadoopadoo, -doopa -doo. what is it, I'm gonna find it, I'm gonna find it, yeah. alright, Fisher Akrasha, it's, I can't say those words, but that thing. Uh, part of the debris is also at Area 51, and as she's snooping around while 
his sister is looking for the files, he sees not just a piece of this debris, but this, like, weird corpse all up in it, and he takes a little nibble, <laughs> and he gets a whole bunch of information himself. And in his little um, psychic trance, it all relates back to issue two, and the end of issue uh, two as well. Yes, and the end of issue two, with the Russians and the the bringing the that whole scenario. It's uh, it's great. It's great how once again. All circles around. The way it's written in volumes and he's able to tell these whole stories in five-part arcs, it's, it's so impressive. It is. It, it really is. I can't praise this fucking book enough. Let's move on to Chapter 5. Chapter 5 opens up with Caesar opening the door on Thursday to see his boy Savoy all passed out on the floor. Meanwhile, Savoy goes through these uh, three full-page spreads. Four. Full page spreads of just tripping balls. Tripping his fucking balls off. He wakes up and he's like, oh fuck, that was crazy. And Caesar's like, oh, would you drink some of the doggo's blood? And he's like, dude, I just had one fucking drop. One fucking drop of that crazy smart fucker's blood. And he's pretty much what I would imagine what a DMT trip is. I've never done DMT, but he he sees he sees the whole world in the whole new light. He's like us people with powers. We got a whole purpose that <laughs> you think we nobody. This purpose we have is crazy, and that's really what what we get out of that whole thing. Once again, I'm sure it's in the next volume. It's fuck, man, fuck. Well, meanwhile, four days earlier, during while he was passed out, because he was passed out for a while. While he was passed out, all the writing in the sky went away. And no one really knows what to do about that. Applebee's like, oh, fuck it, that's NASA's thing. Meanwhile, guys, I got a, I got another death mission for you. I need you to go out and there's this crazy, another cultist group. This bitch, the Egg Whisperer. <laughs> that's, that's actually what just John calls her. This crazy bitch. She's got this church, church called the Church of Divinity of the Immaculate Ova. Yeah, the lady's name is Alani Adobo. So, why is she important? Well, she was actually able to predict down to the minute when the writing in the sky would disappear. Well, Applebee wants to know how the fuck that is, so they send her in, they send in John and Tony to go undercover. While they're undercover, they realize that, oh, that book of sacred text looks pretty fucking important. Let's steal that. While they're doing that, all the, all the other cultists in the group are gathered in the other room, and they just hear all these bodies hit the floor, and they all drink Kool-Aid. <laughs> and once again, another... And they don't just... The Kool-Aid is a... It's red Kool-Aid. I got Kool-Aid under quotations. Literally looks like fucking Kool-Aid with the, oh yeah, smiley face upside down. It, I don't know whose idea that was. I don't know if that was Layman's or Guillory's, but... Fuck, man. So many giggly moments. This book will make you giggle, I tell you what. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's... Meanwhile, they're like, alright, well, fuck, we got the book, but all of them people died. The boss is gonna be pissed. Pissed. And that's really... And they're both... They're looking at each other, and they're agreeing, like, I don't know, he's gonna be pissed. And then we actually get the, uh, a quick look at the origin of Alani and what brought her to her ways. So, she is from the island of Yamapulu. 
once again, the island that the Goldsberry originated from. She was kind of in this refugee situ- situation. She was on this ship. The only thing to eat on this ship were Goldsberries. While she watched everybody else on the ship die around her, she was the only one left, and as she went to take the last bite of the last Goldsberry, thinking that this would be her, her last bit of nourishment ever, she takes the bite and boom, the fucking, the, uh, the writing appears in the sky. And then that's when she has in her head, like, oh, I know what my purpose is now. And that's what leads her to start the cult. So, we get a quick backstory real quick. I like how they're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is, this is what led her to do it. Fucking dig it. That's really the end of the story, minus the very end of the story. We go back to Caesar and uh, Mason Savoy, and Savoy, his mind is blown. He's like, dude, seriously, shit is way beyond what we're about to comprehend. We have to gather forces. And Caesar's like, well, are we getting Tony? And and Savoy's like, unfortunately, I don't think he's really going to work with us. But I got something that might be just as good. And then we flash over to Olive Chu and Tony's daughter. She's trying to go to school and she sees Savoy. And Savoy's like, hurt little girl. I know your daddy. And she's like, ah, stranger danger. And she, Savoy in his wings grabs her and fucking throws her in the back of the van. And you could definitely sell, sense some remorse about it. But he knows. like, oh, this, Apparently there's another psychopath out there is what that comes down to. Fucking Flambe, Volume 4. Chew. Amazing. It's Chew in Space is what it comes down to. And we, <laughs> there's, it opens up the whole world of the, all of the powers of these, these foodies and all... Uh, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about this book. I'm excited to continue it on. I will have uh, Volume 5 read and... Out to you guys as soon as I possibly can. I'm I'm very very excited to actually pick up Volume Five and read it right now. I've got it right back right back there, ready to go. So, thank you all so much for joining me on another edition of Trade Negotiations. You guys know where to listen, obviously, or you wouldn't be listening. But we're everywhere: Stitcher, Apple, fucking Podbean, got it all. Now you can watch watch on YouTube. I, most most of the podcasts are shot in in video format now, so if you want to see all the fucking goofy expressions on my face, you could do that. Um, support on Patreon. I have all types of good tiers, uh, everything from sending you out fucking ex- rare, ver- somewhat rare variants every month just for signing up for certain tiers, so you guys get the gist of it. Fact is, I'm happy you're listening. Stay tuned for the uh, the next episode of Trade Negotiations. You fuckers read responsibly. Cheers.